You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore. Our podcast team is taking a break this week for the holidays, but don't fret, we'll be back next week with all new episodes of our show. In the meantime, this week we're revisiting some of our favorite interviews from 2016. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Daniel Ennis is former director of the NSA Threat Operations Center, or NTOC, and is currently executive director of the University of Maryland Global Initiative on Cyber. We spoke with Daniel Ennis back in July. Take me through your career, and what, what were you studying in college, and where did you go from there? Well, I went to the University of Maryland, studied law enforcement, um, with a heavy dose of history as, a, as an aside. Ultimately, um, first job in the government was with DEA, uh, Drug Enforcement Administration. I was a DEA agent, um, spent some time in New York in, in that space, uh, transferred to NSA into their security 
element there uh, as an agent, but ultimately moved over into traditional operations at NSA, SIGIN operations, uh, which is uh, two missions at NSA, effectively information assurance and signals intelligence. Uh, and in that space, ultimately became the director of the NSA Threat Operations Center. So take us through the, the Threat Operations Center. What is the mission of the center? What, what are they there to do? Well, the primary mission is to understand what is in the foreign intelligence space relative to cyber and actually help the protection of U.S. national security systems uh, by translating that and working with elements across the NSA and across the U.S. government uh, in providing information assurance and defensive uh, uh, insights that might help protect those systems. And who, who are you partnering partnering with? What are your relationships it's with the, industry? Well, there's, that's, the, that's the cyberspace that we all live in, the cyber context that we all live in. Principally working with the FBI and DHS because they have authorities to help in, in the United States uh, context. But uh, more importantly, uh, across a broader spectrum than that, working with the private sector, uh, working with industry groups, ultimately, um, working with ent ent entities that uh, uh, have been penetrated and for whatever reason the U.S. government believes that we ought to help them. Um, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, when you start talking about cyber, um, well, I, my principal role was to, or our principal role was to help protect national security systems. Ultimately, when you have threats against the financial sector or other sectors, and NSA has relevance in that space, it's, it's incumbent upon us to figure out how to help. And again, most of that was through DHS and FBI. Um, NSA's got a foreign intelligence mission. But in that foreign intelligence space, you become aware of information that can help others. And obviously, NSA's got a, uh, a role in that space. And so, so take us through the day-to-day. -day. For a person in, in your position, what, what kinds of things were, were you handling, were you dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, in many instances, when you lead a large workforce, your day-to-day issues are leadership issues and how you engage in strategy. And that's actually where you want to be. Uh, so my day-to-day -day was hopefully, for the most part, in the strategic layer, uh, developing strategies to help the agency and talk uh, the government proffer uh, uh, good expertise in the cyber arena. Ultimately, though, you do become aware of instances or issues that then you engage tactically because you because of it's, it's a threat, either to one of those national security systems or because it represents Presents some issue that I ought to coordinate with the FBI and DHS on. So I would say I would characterize mine at the strategic layer, uh, but ultimately you have to keep your finger on the pulse of the workforce. Um, what is it not only are there their HR issues, but what are the issues affecting cyber so that you can speak with, uh, you know, some sort of some sense of the context and provide leadership at NSA or leadership at FBI, DHS or other places uh, what you're seeing in foreign intelligence. When, when you look at the, the various threats that affect both the United States and on a global level, where, in, your, in your opinion, where does cyber rank? Where, where does it fit in? Uh, well, so, I mean, first of all, you have to look at the context that we're in the United States or the world, right? We live on a digital platform. I mean, and the, the commerce and everything we do in the United States is on the Internet. 
right? I mean, uh, uh, you look at everything that's going on and the, all the innovation that we would anticipate, it's all connected and we're all connected. And so when, if, you have, if you take that as a, a given, um, ultimately it is one of the highest priority issues, that being cyber defense. Um, we as a nation are one of the most vulnerable uh, to cyber attacks, to cyber intrusions, because we are so tied to the Internet. I think that uh, if I had to uh, create a construct, I mean, certainly counterterrorism and, and issues associated with terrorism take top priority because the concern about physical uh, threats to U.S. persons and our allies. Um, certainly counterproliferation, given the problems in that space, could create uh, issues that we all um, would would want to avoid. Um, but I would put it right up there because of the cyber the cyber piece. I would put it right up there in parallel with those mission sets because we are so vulnerable as a country, and it is such a part of our future. When you looked at our capabilities as a nation, uh, in terms of defending ourselves, in terms of, of um, you know being able to handle these cyber threats, what what were some of the areas where I, I guess I'm asking, I'm looking for you to contrast. What were some of the areas where you thought this is an area where we've got it under control versus this is an area that that uh, you know might keep me up at night. Well, I mean, again, everything's relative. So I thought we had relative strength in the space of as at NSA and its primary role of, of protecting U.S. Department of Defense systems and ultimately um, uh, uh, helping others uh, in protection of the national security systems. That said, um, given the, the wide open nature of the Internet and given the essentially how um, both the uh, nation states and and criminal elements have proffered and prospered in this space. I think we're massively vulnerable across all the spectrum, and so I think that we have strength in our knowledge. We have strength in our capability. Um, we even have strength in 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 our knowledge as how we apply defensive measures to protect systems. But there's such a huge vulnerability and such huge gaps, and we talk about you know new zero days being created every day that are that make whatever element that you might refer to vulnerable, I think that in that space, you know, we just have a huge way ahead, a, a huge mountain to climb if we're going to actually secure systems. I mean, I, it, it's, it doesn't go unnoticed that our information assurance organization at NSA had come out with, in many instances, you know, hey, these are the top 10 things you should do to protect yourself. But even in that space, most entities aren't even taking the most basic steps to do that. So it's not just that the, the vulnerability is there. It's that even when you represent that you understand how you could make yourself less, less vulnerable, how you can close off the possible vectors of attack that, that you might face, most people aren't doing it. From a from a business point of view, from a leadership point of view, as you, as you made your way up to uh, you know, a leadership position, at NSA throughout your career, what kinds of th- what kinds of advice do you have for people who are coming up, just from a purely leadership point of view, from an organizational operational point of view, to be a good leader? What are some of the things you learned along the way? Well, first of all, it, it always helps to have a good mission. I mean, so people want to achieve, um, they want to have success, but they also want to have an interesting job. Uh, I think that the idea that I would sit there every day and turn a screw and that's my job, I mean, that's problematic. So if you have good mission, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a great piece. And certainly at NSA, we had great, and we do, and they do have great mission. But I think that great mission exists in the cyber world as well. I mean, you actually, if you're involved in cyber defense, 
uh, you're doing great work. You're doing great work for the country. You're doing great work for the economy. And it can be an incredibly interesting job. So that idea of great mission and an interesting job. But what they also look to leadership to do is to stay in their lane. And in certain levels, leadership has to stay in the strategic lane and empower them to be successful in their own right. Um, I think that the idea that um, you don't have to be the technical expert as a leader, you have to empower those that are the technical experts to do their job, I think that is a leadership lesson. Uh, People have a difficult time when they've grown up as a technical person ultimately making that transition, but the successful leaders actually make that translation. They understand the context by which, and you have to know enough of the technical parameters of whatever the mission is that you're doing to understand it, but you have to make that transition that says, okay, I'm moving to a leadership level, and I need to let empower those folks that understand the day-to-day activities in whatever mission space that they are in to be successful. Let them do their job while I provide the strategic infrastructure, the mechanisms that allow them to do that efficiently and effectively. I think the other issue is you have to provide feedback to employees. I mean, the, the tried and truism is that you um, counsel in private um, and you praise in public. I mean, I think that's huge. Um, I, I've heard that people don't leave organizations, they leave people. Um, I do think that that's, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, if you if you can uh, empower your people, you've got good mission, and ultimately you provide them the type of feedback that they need to improve. So you know you counsel them and say, hey, hey, John, Sally, here's where you need to improve in this space. But that's done privately with a, in a constructive manner, and then you praise in public when they've done a good job because people want their peers, they want their family, they want others to understand that they're uh, doing good job, not just doing good mission, but doing a good job. I think the other issue, frankly, and one that's overlooked at times, is people want to have a little bit of fun. I think that, you know, you have to make the workplace a little bit of fun. Uh, you know, slide across the odd conference room table if, and wake people up occasionally if, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if it's gotten too, uh, you know, too stayed, too, uh, too uh, uh, you know, people aren't having fun. But, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I joke about that. But the, the fact is, is that, um, you know, you have to loosen up a little bit at times. You have to allow people uh, to joke around appropriately, of course. You know, uh, but but at times you you just can't be. It's all about mission every day. It is about mission every day. But you also can laugh. You also can have some fun in that space. So when people think of the NSA, I think there's this this popular, almost sort of Hollywood version of what the NSA is and what the NSA does. How do you think the public's perception of the NSA aligns with the reality of what the NSA actually does on a day-by-day basis? Well, I think you hit it. Um, there's a probably a Hollywood version. Um, you know, if I go to see a James Bond movie, I want to see bells and whistles, right? Um, and I think that in some instances, people kind of want to see that. Um, but obviously the reality is much different. I think there's also a part of this context is some of the Snowden uh, insights that were provided, uh, which, by the way, clearly I think he, he got a lot, that a lot wrong. Um, NSA is an incredibly technically proficient agency, um, and I think what we would want them to know, and I'm retired, but I still love the place, what I would want the people to know is that they actually follow the rule of law. Uh, that, in fact, they, at great pains, strive to follow the rule of law. 
Um, they, we have a incredibly robust process, incredibly robust leadership, whose job it is every day is to make sure that we are following that rule of law. I think if you checked with some of the civil libertarians that were a part of the process, the review process after some of the Snowden information came out, they will tell you that, you know, if they had a surprise, it was just how much uh, emphasis and how much uh, just true, pure process that NSA places on ensuring that they follow that. That's Daniel Ennis, former director of the NSA Threat Operations Center. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.